Hello and welcome everyone to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron White, fresh back on the ground in Seattle, Washington after my trip to the Toronto International Film Festival. You are here for reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free, so that's what you're going to get. In this series, I will be speaking about the films that I saw at TIFF 2023. Some of these do not have release dates yet. Others do. I'll let you know when I can what those are. But thank you for coming along for this journey. I hope that I can introduce you to some interesting and exciting new films to keep your eye out for. So without further ado, let's get into the reviews. Well, you probably thought I was done with reviews from the Toronto International Film Festival, which took place back in the beginning of September, but things got a little busy and I wasn't able to get all of my reviews out right away. I have a few more to go, and so here's an episode covering two upcoming films, the first of which is Origin from Neon. It stars Anjanou Ellis-Taylor, John Bernthal, Vera Farmiga, Audra McDonald, Nisi Nash-Betts, Nick Offerman, and Blair Underwood. It is written and directed by Ava DuVernay and based on the novel Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. Cinematography is by Matthew J. Lloyd. It is edited by Spencer Averick, and music is by Chris Bowers. It runs 135 minutes and is rated PG-13 for thematic material involving racism, violence, some disturbing images, languages, and smoking. What's it about? Grappling with tremendous personal tragedy, writer Isabel Wilkerson sets herself on a path of global investigation and discovery as she writes the book. Now, Ava DuVernay's adaptation of the life of Pulitzer Prize-winning author Isabel Wilkerson feels pretty major to me. When I saw this film at its premiere, I was completely blown away by it. I found it to be incredibly powerful, moving, and important. The story begins with Wilkerson, who was played by Anjanou Ellis-Taylor in a staggering, Oscar-worthy performance, struggling with the murder of Trayvon Martin. And this leads her to researching the nuances of discrimination and trying to pinpoint the differences between caste and racism as she builds up to what will become her New York Times bestseller. She ends up traveling around the world, speaking to people, collecting information, learning about their histories, all the while dealing with a series of personal family health challenges and tragedies back home. I actually had no idea how different racism and caste were. I'd never really thought about caste, to be honest. So I found this to be a really challenging work, talking about how caste is used across the world to specifically target minority groups based on socioeconomic status and or skin color. This is a heavy, sweeping, and at times lyrically poetic exploration about the history of caste across the world and across time in biopic form. It features a combination of stylistic elements like voiceover narration from the book itself and also dramatization of some 
historical events. I found this to be so much more compelling than just a straight documentary would have been because it allowed me to get to know characters and connect with them and see things through their eyes. I was actually moved to tears quite a few times as I went on this journey through Wilkerson's discovery period. And I have a bigger heart for humanity and a better understanding of the terrible ways that we've treated each other across all of time as well. In addition to Ingenue Ellis Taylor, John Bernthal is absolutely wonderful here. It's a very meek role out of character for him in the best of ways. He plays her supportive, loving husband, and I just was really impressed by his ability to ratchet down his typical energy and his macho persona in a way that is completely distinct from most everything else you've seen him in. And then Nisi Nash Betts plays Isabel Wilkerson's cousin Marion. And she steals almost every scene that she's in. She is comforting. She is hilarious. And the two have that kind of special relationship. It's a tender one. Someone that is available for Wilkerson with open arms to listen to, to give advice to. It's that person that everyone needs in their life. And I found the relationship between the two of them to probably be my favorite in the entire movie. This is, again, a heavy work. This is something that is going to need to be seen multiple times. I could see this being the type of film that is actually studied in school at some point. It's a lot to take in, though, and to process. And it's something that you could easily take out of the theater and into a restaurant or bar or a coffee shop and sit down and have conversations about something that shouldn't be an end-all be-all for your educational experience but should be an inspiration to go out and learn more and to challenge yourself to change and think about how you can help make the world a different place it blends this emotional and informational storytelling like honestly only ava duvernay can do and I am just such a big fan of this work. I hope that it gets all of the accolades, all of the praise, and I really just want it to get in front of everybody's eyeballs because I do think that it's something that needs to be seen. And I'm excited to go read the book myself after seeing it. Uh, Origin will have a planned theatrical limited release on December the 8th. That's to qualify for next year's Oscars before eventually releasing wide on January 19th of 2024. Now for a complete change of pace, I want to talk about something that is coming out very soon, and that is Next Goal Wins from Searchlight Pictures. It stars Michael Fassbender, Oscar Knightley, Kaimana, David Fane, Rachel House, Bula Kowali, Will Arnett, and Elizabeth Moss. It is directed by Taika Waititi, written by Taika Waititi and Ian Morris, and based on a documentary of the same name by Mike Brett and Steve Jameson. Cinematography is by Lachlan Milne. It is edited by Nicholas Monsoor, and music is by Michael Giacchino. It runs 103 minutes and is rated PG-13 for some strong language and crude material. What's it about? Dutch-American football coach Thomas Rongen faces the option of being fired or accepting an almost impossible task to convert the American Samoa national team, considered one of the weakest football teams in the world, 
after infamously losing a FIFA match 31 to nil into an elite squad. Now look, if you've seen one inspirational sports drama or comedy, you've seen them all. This is a very typical, generic, crowd-pleasing story that makes you feel good about real-life people who have overcome something to find happiness and or success. This time, though, there is the added bonus of a wonderful representation story, which comes by way of a trans player on the team named Jaya, played by the wonderful Kaimana, who was the first openly trans female athlete to compete in a World Cup event. This is almost the only thing that the film takes seriously, and I appreciate it for that. It's also something that I personally have not seen in the marketing lead up to the film or focused on in the trailers. I know it caught me off guard when I saw it. I wasn't expecting it, but Kaimana is really the star of the show here. It's the best performance. She is the most emotionally connecting character, someone who's really going through something that goes beyond just not being good at a sport. And I really hope that this is a breakout role that lands her more opportunities in the future. I am growing tired, however, of the alcoholic coach trope. This is something we see all the time. You can complain also about a white savior narrative, but honestly, the coach doesn't come in and really do all that much to save them as much as the team kind of saves itself in a lot of ways. So that's not too bad, but I just am sick of watching someone be angry and mean and drunk and reliant on alcohol over and over and over. You really see this in movies all across the board, but especially in sports films. And you just wonder, is there really this many people out there that cannot get by their day without constant alcohol in them? Because I don't believe that's the case. And, and I think that it is unfortunate that we can't just have characters that have struggles with their personality traits that don't all equate to, oh, but he was influenced by some substance that he couldn't get out of his body. I get that you got to show someone in need of redemption in order for that redemption to occur, but I just am growing exhausted by it. I'm also exhausted by the comedy in Taika Waititi's movies. If you've listened to my reviews in the past, you know that I find him to really overdo things most of the time, and that's the case here as well. Everything is a joke. This movie starts off with narration by Waititi himself, who is playing some sort of religious leader on the island, and he's narrating this story of what happened in comedic fashion. When 90% of your characters have an element of comic relief to them, it's just too much. You need to have that injected into a movie in spurts, not constantly from every single individual. It just becomes overkill and it weighs on me. Even though most of this movie is actually pretty funny, I, I laughed quite a bit, it makes it so that the pacing is off. It the balance is off. There's too much comedy and not enough drama for my liking. There's also very little soccer shown, which I guess maybe is understandable because they're so pad at it. There's some comedic soccer shown, which allows us to laugh at the team, but even the matches where they're supposed to be more competitive, things are just not shot very dynamically or in an interesting way. And I expect a lot more from a sports film. I want to see action on 
the pitch or on the court or the field or wherever the actual competition is taking place. I don't want to see just a few practices and a couple of matches with quick cuts because they're not actual athletes out there on the field. Uh, It's, again, okay, but it was very much lacking for me in this regard. It was good to see Fassbender back, though, for all the annoyance of it being an alcoholic coach trope. He does a good job. He plays a very stern character, and I think he manages Rongen's evolution uh, from someone who is uncaring and unflinching into someone who is able to learn a lot and actually put his trust and faith in others uh, really well. And I'm just excited to have him back on a movie screen after a big long break. And then I also really enjoyed the way that this introduces audiences to the culture of American Samoa. This place looks like an absolute treat to live in. It is so relaxed. They are so tight-knit in their community, and I got the impression that it's just a very kind place where friendliness is a key aspect and helping others is a primary trait in pretty much everyone that comes from that island. It's laid back, and they don't have the same desires and expectations for greatness that others do, and so when they achieve their goals... Um, It's easy to really root for them and be proud of them. So this is, again, generic in pretty much every way. There is nothing at all that stands out about it outside of the Jaya storyline. And so I would encourage people to check it out. You can't go wrong. It moves at a good pace. It's pretty fast. And you'll feel good after watching it. And then you'll forget about it by the next morning. Whatever. That's fine. It's pretty much... The whole of Taika Waititi's filmography for me. Somewhere from that down to, oh my gosh, that really annoyed me. But this wasn't too bad. Next Goal Wins will be out in theaters on November the 17th. And you can check it out then for yourself. Well, that's it for this episode of TIFF Reviews. I'm not sure if I have any left to do. This may be the last of these dual film episodes. Either way, thank you as always for being here, for watching, for listening for liking, subscribing, and sharing, and all that good stuff. I appreciate you so much. Until next time, keep watching, and keep feeling filled.